Hello Gems! Welcome to another episode of Tiaras in Tech. I'm your host, Shelley Benhoff, and today I'm talking to Audrey Marshall, COO and co-founder of Thematic. We talked about how Thematic offers a copyright-free experience for content creators, supports new music artists, and her thoughts on how people often find it surprising that she is in tech. Without further ado, on to the episode. Hey, Audrey, welcome to the show. I'm so, so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for having me, Shelley. I'm really excited for our conversation today. Yeah, awesome. So as always, I, I start every episode the same way. Let's jump right in and have you tell us how <laughs> did you get <laughs> into tech? You know what? I It was something I never expected would happen. It was not you know a clear career path for me. Um, I've always been really into the internet. I've always told my mom, like, don't worry, I have a job. I'm just really good at the internet. So I was lucky enough to like come of age, uh, you know, in high school when MySpace was just starting, like one of the first generations to hit with Facebook, Um, started working with like DIY music distribution platforms in like 2008, 2009, and really just like constantly exploring the digital tools available to me. But when I started Thematic in 2016, like you can consider me a non-technical founder, right? I had a lot of experience with digital rights management. Like I could get by on doing some WordPress code, but I was like, by no means had any idea of how to like, we have this idea for a product, but I didn't know who we needed to bring on to make it happen. I didn't understand the infrastructure of tech. I was like totally green, which is, you know, funny looking back of, you know, five or six years ago, very different place. So when we first started the platform, we hired a team, we brought people on to build us out to a public beta. And we really like along the way, I started to learn. I'm one of those people who's always like trying to figure things out. Be like, okay, how do I, how do I do this? You need this. I'll figure out how to deliver it to you. So learning from the team. And then after the public beta, um, we were kind of in between development resources and we had to ad hoc hire to like sustain the platform to do bug fixes. And like, I think that's where I really just like latched on to figure out, okay, this is what you got to do. This is who you got to talk to and really immerse myself in the product. So since I would say mid 2020, I've just dove head in. Now I'm leading the product. I am the main liaison between our tech and development team and, uh, you know, our other part of the company. So I'm just like head first, very unexpected to be here, but I love it. I still have so much to learn and like, you know, I'm still not a you know coder engineer in that regard, but I do feel like I'm way more immersed and appreciate that part of the equation a lot more now that I went through this whole evolution. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I hear a lot when people are like, I'm not technical, but you know what? You are technical. If you have touched code and you like understand what's happening, that is all you need. You don't have to be, you know, like a, a whiz or a genius at that. It's a, it's a skill. That's all. I just hear people like apologizing for not being technical. Like CEOs have done this to me and I'm just like, what you, you're the CEO of a tech company. Why are you telling me that you aren't technical? Like, <laughs> clearly you are. 
right? It's like a defense mechanism. Yeah. It's like, don't ask um, me to tell you how this is coded, but like, I know it, it works, right? Yeah. And I'm just wondering if it, if it comes from a place, like, has anybody ever told you that you're not technical or like made you feel bad? Not at all. Probably the opposite. Like, you know, our CTO is like, you're very technical. Like you have a great dialogue with our engineers. Like they get you, you have a shorthand and I'm like, great. I know what, like, you know, I'm just of that characteristic of like, I want to be the best at what I do, whether it be like cleaning a window or like making a product and delivering the best experience. I'm one of those people who's just like, watch me, like, let's do this. God, I love that. We're so kindred spirits. Anybody that listens to this regularly just knows I just go for things. I just do it. Like love it. Life is short, right? And exactly. You just have to do it. And it's it's worth putting all in. Like just Always. really, really going for it. Um and don't be scared. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about your product. I was so excited when I got this request for the guest. I was like, thematic, like I've totally heard of that. That's you know? amazing. I love that. Tell us all about it. Sure. So thematic is a collaborative platform where video creators can license music for their videos in exchange for promotion to the artist. So the creators get great trending music from real artists and for free. We, you know, everyone can access this, whether you're the biggest creator in the world we're literally posting your first video. We wanted to service an entire creative class. On the other side, the music artists are able to get their music placed and featured by influencers, which then gets their songs in front of new audiences. They can drive more Spotify streams. They can get more Instagram engagement. And it's really just a win-win on both sides. What we found early on is, you know, back when I was first out of college, you know, I was working at an independent record label trying to service, you know, it's like the era of YouTube's just like a thing. Like, how do we use, utilize this as part of our distribution strategy? And we were lucky enough to be connected with my now co-founder, Michelle Fawn, to place music in her videos. And we saw immediately of like this need of, you know, these artists are like, how do I get my song promoted? I don't have a budget to pay this influencer. Like, I can't afford it. You know, it's a, it's a brand, you know, I'm a brand and this is my product. I can't pay them for a brand placement. And then Michelle and other creators at the time were like, hey, I have this audience, like clearing music is so complicated and confusing. Like, can you help me find a song that's cool and like relevant that like I can promote them? I have a huge audience and we're like, you two should be talking, (laughs) like, let's do this. So we were a matchmaker from like, I would say that's like our MVP of like back in 2009 when we first started doing it. And it's really just connecting these two parties who have different things to offer, but maybe don't know how to exchange and creating a one-to-one value exchange between the two, which is really fun and exciting. Cause it's like, I'm of the perspective of like, you have all these corporate people trying to tell creative people what to do. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The creative people know exactly what they should do. Let them come together and, you know, support each other in a very authentic way. Yeah. I love that. And it's, so interesting that we're having this conversation today. I just got my first YouTube channel monetized, like literally today. That's an achievement. Congratulations. I'm going to be dealing with, thank you so much. Yeah. You know, what's weird about that channel. I haven't posted on it in two years, but I'm 
you know, a author and I've yep. been promoting the channel and all of my courses. So people sign up, but anyway, yeah. So that's monetized and I, I'm going to be wading through the copyright, you know, issues and strikes. I'm excited. Oh, we're, we're here to help and like, like, <laughs> subscribe. I'll be there up in your comment yeah. section. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, so th the whole um, idea here of providing YouTube, you know, creators, YouTube has very strict rules about music use and copyrights and all of that. If, if a, a creator has anything in there, like, and it's monetized it is immediately demonetized and all of that stuff um how does your product provide a claim free experience sure that's a you know it's a great question that was one of our primary concerns like i've been working with creators like michelle fawn like uh, for a while and other youtube creators uh music artists and was able to get my hands on um, YouTube's content ID system um, as one of the first music label CMS back in 2011. So I feel like I'm an old veteran in this space. So I just dove head in on that and really understood um, both as someone who was managing content, optimizing content, building YouTube channels, but at the same time managing uh, rights for music artists on YouTube, the friction that was happening between the parties, right? So we would we would negotiate these deals for Michelle to use music or, or for another beauty creator to use music. Uh, and if we weren't able to block the copyright claim from happening, it would still be like, well, I thought we did this right. Or like, it, it's just a negative experience, especially if, you know, if somebody doesn't know the infrastructure of it, it's like, I thought I did everything right. Or like, I'm in trouble and you get that email right away. And you're like, oh my God, I just spent so long on this video and you don't want to just have that first negative impression so understanding that friction point was a big concern to us of like well how do we make it so it's not so scary so when the creator who does everything right gets all the permission has a license there's an agreement they still don't get hit with a copyright claim right so understanding that nuance of uh, how content I content id works very early on we were able to build in an experience utilizing content ID in a very smart way to communicate with our system, utilizing APIs. We do, it's like what we call our rights engine. It's like automatically validating and activating music licenses as soon as that user video is uploaded. So you as the content creator, you know, we check everything in the background. We know that you're using a song, but you're never affected with the copyright claim. So it all happens in the background. We validate, make sure that the music artist is taken care of but like, you don't have to freak out. You're just like, oh, cool. Like everything's, you know, everything's good. I can post my video. I could just get on with my day. Um, so we, we developed that process. I think we were the first people to do that. It was like 2016. And we just figured out a way to utilize the system to make it work for the creators, um, which was fun. It's like, I'm like, so glad we did that because it's alleviated a lot of the concerns for a lot of our creators and just made it a very carefree experience. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm so glad you did that. Honestly, I actually haven't put any music in any of my videos because I feel like I don't want to even go there. Right? And it's so complicated. You know, but there's now, so many, you know, yeah, I there's so many music rights and it's like, who do I talk to? They're going to charge me money or like, is it the right vibe? Is it worth it? Yeah, there's too much. There's too much risk, I think, for a lot of people, but we're here to make it. Yeah. Easy. Absolutely. I was actually um, on the site earlier, and I'm sorry, this this question wasn't in my list, but I'm just curious. It looks like it kind of um, recommends your like personal tastes. How does that work? That is so cool. Yeah. So again, understanding the friction point from creators of like, you know, how scary or awful would it be to be like, here's the entire Spotify library, find something that works for you. Like, that's not helpful to me. Like I rely on recommendations and like, I'm expecting these platforms to learn from what I enjoy. So then I could spend less time just being like filter, filter and like, what's a genre anyway? Like, I don't know. I listen to everything, right? You know, a pop song could be a rap song, could be a country song these days, right? Like, I don't know what genre. I just know that I want it to feel like this or like, this is who I am as a creator. So we built that into our curation process of matching based on like your preferred musical taste and the creators you're following and um, the people you're talking to, like just building all of those different like aesthetics into the flow to really deliver an experience that as soon as you as soon as you land in the product you have recommendations based on who you are as a creator the types of content you're creating we know what what music is doing well in you know cooking videos and like maybe it's different music that's happening in beauty videos and really allowing you to cut through the clutter of all these songs that may not be relevant to you to just make it easy like we're trying to make content creation easy so then you get what you need and you can get on and post your content and build your business. That being said, we do have, you know, if somebody's like, hey, I usually like this, but today I need a salsa beat because I'm doing something unique. Like we still have those filters. People can still find, you know, using the traditional ways of finding music. But it's, uh, I feel like that's more for certain circumstances, right? When you're looking for something specific. Um, but otherwise it would be more about like, great, here's like the 10 songs that are going to be great for your next video. That is so cool. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like in love with this thing. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, nobody has a, you know, foresight, like a hundred percent, but um, what, do you kind of think the future looks like for content uh, creators? Sure. Um, it's always evolving, but I think the through point is that creators want to be able to create and express themselves easy. And I think even just between when I first started working in this industry in the late 2000s, 2000s, 2009. I don't know how to like the late aughts to now. We've seen a shift. The right? aughts, yeah. The aughts. <laughs> it's so weird. The, the platform shift, but like the goal of creators is the same, right? How do I create and build an audience and monetize? Um, so the tools change. 
um, the platforms change, but the goal is the same. So I think what we've even seen in that time frame of different tools and resources uh, coming to help the content creation process be a lot easier. So we're you know we looked at a short you know transition from short form to long form to short form to long form. We're constantly seeing this battle, but um, it's about how do we make content creation easier and more streamlined so then creators aren't hit with all of these like licensing landmines of like, oh no, a copyright claim or like, oh no, we have to do this, but really just allowing a more collaborative environment, allowing people to work together easy. You know, you look at, you know, what we're doing on YouTube, we're allowing these two entities to come together and create new content in a meaningful way where the creator has great music that maybe they otherwise wouldn't have been able to use. Um, and they're not dealing with the copyright claims, right? So it's again, making it easier or on TikTok and YouTube shorts, you see a lot of the, um, react content. So you are reacting and you're building off of somebody else's video, right? You know, it's part of this whole remix culture that we're in of like, well, how does that work with the rights? Like, you know, how does that work where I get to use this song in this capacity? So I think it's a matter of allowing a more streamlined content creation flow and a lot more collaboration between different types of creators. Um, I do think there's a lot of opportunity in the future to, you know, right now, there are a lot of creators who are going from maybe one platform to other platforms. So people who are starting on TikTok and then graduating to posting on YouTube, right? They're, or like you're a podcast creator and then you're going to YouTube, right? So we're seeing a lot of multi-platform creators and how do we service that new type of creative class in a very beneficial way. Like how do we clear everything for all platforms? How do we make sure you can easily cut and promote the platform uh, content between platforms? So then you can easily take your YouTube video, get this funny part of it promoted on TikTok as a distribution channel, extract this piece from your podcast and put it as a video, right? You know what I mean? I think there's different ways to make the content sharing and creation process easier. And so that's what I'm hoping for. Like, we'll see, right? As you said, who can know for sure? But I do think like there's no slowdown of content creation. There's no slowdown. Um, and I think everyone's becoming a creator. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I have an Instagram and I make the occasional yeah. travel video, but I do not consider myself of any status of like, but my community is my friends and family, right? Of like, the people who are into travel and hiking videos and stuff. So I think a blurring of lines as well between am I a creator? Yeah, everyone's a creator. Everyone's putting something out there. Absolutely. And it's so, again, so great that you honed in on multi-platform. So let me tell you what I do. Like last night, I streamed on TikTok preparing for my Twitch stream. And then I, I streamed on both for a little while. I take the Twitch stream. I, I, uh, put it on YouTube. I take clips of it. I put them on TikTok, TikTok and YouTube shorts. Like right. literally everything you just said is absolutely correct. And I am just doing what I've seen other people do. And it, worked for them. And so I was like, okay, I'll try this out. And I right. have like multiple channels that I post to. Yeah, absolutely. It's very complicated, it's complicated. to be a content creator. It takes a long time. It doesn't, you know, you're, you're advancing. It takes the, a really long time. Yeah. You understand like your, 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 
you're competent in that. But, you know, think of how scary that is for someone who's maybe like, I don't know, I'm just doing this on my iPhone or like they don't have that that knowledge. So it's like there's so many hurdles, I think, and a lot of friction points we can still work to reduce and just how do we make this easier? Like everyone's got a story to tell. Everyone's got a perspective that would be great to share. So like, let's make it easy. Let, like, let's not make it for the people with the fancy cameras and like editing equipment. Like, yeah. And I, you know, we're getting there. I see it, you know, over the years of, you know, just even being able to create a YouTube video from your phone and upload it right there. Like worlds are changing. It's really hard now because like, yeah, the world is changing. YouTube started out like, um just anything but as time has progressed you can tell the popular videos clearly have like a clear format they were filmed a certain way they look professional that's what's expected on youtube mm -hmm. now tiktok i think is where it's just anybody whatever people walking outside and talking to their phone that's right. actually something that i've tried but it, it's too hard for me to walk and talk at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I'm like, I'm going to go, I'm going to walk into yeah, a pool. Yeah, it's so interesting. That's what, yeah, like I literally almost walked into a dog while I was <laughs> filming something. So I was like, maybe, You're maybe like, not again. This is too again. dangerous. <laughs> too much, yeah. Well, next I have a um, segment that I like to call Precious Gems. On. And I share a um, quote from a person on either, you know, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, um, Twitch now. Yeah. So this uh, week, the comment was on the episode on mentoring with <laughs> Gabriella. And the quote was, when I work from home, I used to feel like I missed personal interaction. Video chat helps to make you feel closer to your colleagues. And without it, we could not make this happen, which is so true. And then on Instagram, I said Instagram, like grandmother, <laughs> Instagram, <laughs> Aki, she is a great, great person. She actually said something that was so interesting. The funny thing about video chat is that her colleagues in Asia don't show their faces on the video calls, whereas her colleagues in Europe do. I thought that was interesting because I, I work with people all around the world too. And like, I've also seen this trend. It's just Totally. I yeah, know. I definitely see. I saw it. You know, it's yeah. so funny, especially early during lockdown, everyone was on video because we're like, I guess this is what we're doing. Right. Yeah. But I did feel a shift maybe last year. I don't know what year we're in at this point, but like at a certain point, I, know, I right? found more people, even locally, just like transition to just be audio only and have the expectation of like, well, not everything needs to be a face to face because I honestly can't probably count on one hand how many just audio calls I've had with people since lockdown started uh, a few years ago. Whereas before, I feel like that was so common. Like you're either in person or it's an audio call. And we've just transitioned to be like, that's almost not part of uh, my setup at all these days. But I do feel like I always default to video. 
I don't care what I look like half the time. I'm in some workout clothes. I'm just very comfortable of like, I'll talk to anyone, like whatever. We're all doing our thing. We're, we're in this new world and new era. Um, and that has allowed me to, I think, connect with people like to, to, the, to Gabriella's point of like being able to to see someone's reaction or to like understand where they're coming from, or maybe they're you know, having a vibe that day and they need, you know, support outside of what the work interaction is. So I think it's definitely this weird balance, but I am seeing a shift of a, more audio calls and maybe it's regional, maybe not. Um, but it's, I forgot about them for a while. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I keep, um, I keep saying like, one of the industries that has flourished during this, you know, pandemic and everything is the pajama and yoga pants industry. That's all I wear. Because <laughs> that's pretty much what people are wearing. Me too. Oh my God. Like, and it was not like this before, but every single day I'm just in yoga pants clothes. and like a t-shirt. Yeah. All I'm comfortable time. all day long. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. All right. Back to you. Um, so you have some YouTube certifications that I have never heard of. Please tell us all about that. Sure. So YouTube started their certified program, I believe in 2013. And so I remember that first class we were invited in, um, and it was in person at the YouTube space at the time. And it was like this day training, um, it was really just diving into the YouTube playbook or like diving in to rights management. Um, it's a, These courses are available to people who are currently actively working with Content ID, who have a partner manager on YouTube. So people who really understand the infrastructure. And I think it's like such a great program by YouTube. I think everyone who is working with Content ID should be required to take these because it's really just giving you that fundamental basis of like, here's how everything works in the back end. Like, here's how you should be treating content. These are the guidelines. Like, don't do bad things here, right? Like, we need to respect copyright and make sure that everything's being handled properly. So they have, a, you know, the courses have changed over the years, but the, the idea behind them has always been about like rights management and asset monetization, which is like, how do you treat content within YouTube? How do you respect copyright? And how do you monetize or protect your assets um, in a way that best services you and your brand and the people you represent? They usually have another course that deals specifically with music, which is, you know, everything from a music channel to managing music rights, as well as overall, like audience development or content strategy, which is, you know, fundamentals to building out brand. This is why these parts of a channel are important. Consistency is key. Um, so they, I think it renews every year, year and a half. So I've kept current with them since 2013. I've always found it such a great refresher of like, not a lot is changing, right? The core fundamentals of like how you manage YouTube assets hasn't changed, but I'm like, okay, are they treating something differently? Is there a new tool that we can try out here? Let's do a refresher. So for, for our team, I was like, everyone has to do this. This is so helpful. Like, how do we make sure that everyone has a, a deeper understanding of like the, well, why are we doing this process this way in the product? And I'm like, it's because of this is the fundamentals of content ID over here. And we have to respect that. And I'm always about that appreciation of like, well, this is the why we're doing it, not just like do it. Um, so I found it extremely helpful. And I would say anyone who's touching content ID apply for this. I hope you get in. I think it's such a useful tool. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I didn't even know it existed, but then on the one hand, like I've never worked with the content ID. Um, I have worked with the like channel, um, API on like web, uh, stuff, but yeah, that isn't like managing the content ID. That's just pulling it to show something on a page. (laughs) That is all (laughs) not complicated. Yeah. Um, do, do. So your platform, you really have extensive experience as, as you said, actually working with creatives instead of telling them what they need or want. Um, how does your experience, um, help them actually scale their um, communities overall. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's always been our guiding light to build for creators and with creators. Like we consider ourselves a creator first company. Um, My co-founder is Michelle Fawn, like the top beauty entrepreneur to come out of YouTube. My other co-founder, Mark Shrubblegen, grew, you know, his career was about editing music content. So music documentaries, interviews, EPKs, and comes from an editing background. And I am become a creator more in recent years, but grew up really understanding the dynamics of, you know, creating content as a young person in the digital age. And in recent years, you know, I started making YouTube videos. So really understanding and appreciate from that perspective of, well, how do we build a community where these principles are core to who we are. So when we started the platform, we first launched in a private beta with Michelle's, uh, Michelle is a co-founder of Ipsy, the beauty subscription service. So she had this group of- I've totally subscribed to that. Right? It's amazing. She's I'm phenomenal. Um, but it's, uh, she had a group in that community, which were, she was mentoring and it was the Ipsy OS studio. So it was, these creators who were of a certain subscriber level who were in the beauty and fashion and lifestyle community. And we were able to partner and work with them and really just build the product with them. We asked them, what do you want out of this? How do we make this better? Giving them that magic wand question and really building for these needs. Um, And thankfully on the music artist side, we did the same. We had focus groups. We brought in all of the independent artists we were working with in our other company, we brought them like, how does this work for you? What value do you need to see? Like, how could we track this for you? And just built from that perspective, that's been such a through point for us of like, how do we serve this community? I think a lot of the other people in our space all come from traditional music sync licensing and they're, they're approaching it from a different perspective, right? Of like, oh, creators, this is a new opportunity to, you know, license music where we're like, well, how do we solve the problems of these two groups of people who are just trying to create and distribute content? Um, So that's totally been a through point. You know, we report to the creators above anything else. We did an equity crowdfunding campaign, I would say a couple years ago now. So literally our creators are our investors. And so we report to them. So everything we do, that's our our guiding principle, first and foremost. 
And at the end of the day, we find that it's really servicing them. We have such an, a great community of creatives um, coming together. They're creating content. We have music artists who are like collaborating on new songs together. Or like we have creators and music artists meeting up in person because they're like like-minded. And I'm like, this is what we want. This is great. Like, this is why we're here. Um, so it's definitely been like a hands-on yeah, effort. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And you really like understand how to do this, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I can tell. That's awesome. Um, so Let's talk about <laughs> digital rights management. This is something that um, people have to deal with. Why is it important for music assets? Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, copyright is core to the creation experience, whether you are a music artist or a video creator, like you're creating a copyright and it's in your best interest to protect that copyright and monetize that copyright. So what good is it going to do you if it's not managed correctly online? So from a music artist perspective, there are different layers of the copyright, whether it be for the sound recording or the publishing, which is the actual uh, words and melody of the song. And a lot of, unfortunately, there's not a lot of education out there for, you know, music artists. There are some resources, but like, well, what does it mean when a song is added to content ID? And I think we talked about this earlier where it's like that copyright claim experience is so bad and scary that people are like, oh, I hate this. It's so bad. But I'm like, it's it's such a good thing, but with a, maybe a negative perception around it in the sense that it's helping these independent music artists monitor their copyright online on different platforms and being able to monetize that and choose what happens with their content. Um it's a new revenue stream. I would say it's not like a business model by any means, but it's definitely like, hey, there are people out there using your music who maybe you didn't give permission to, or they do not have a valid license. And like, that's, you should, you know, that's part of what you should be collecting as part of your royalties. And the fact that it can go out there and do it for them automatically, especially with content ID, it's great, right? It's like, hey, this didn't exist before, but we have these new tools which are coming. Um, similar to TikTok, right? Like they want to be able to know what's going on with their songs and able to look at that page of like, oh, these are the people interacting with my music and like, how do we track it? It all comes down to the copyright and managing those rights online in a digital way. That's great. Yeah. Um, a follow-up to that question, because I wasn't going to ask you a two-part question. <laughs> I had written it that way, but then I remembered our conversation earlier. Um, so what can people do to really uh, s support new artists in the space? Sure. I would say, you know, everyone has a different perspective on how they interact with music. So if you're utilizing it in a video or you're utilizing it online, like respect the copyright. If it's, uh, if there's a way for you to get a license or permission from the artist, like that'll help the artist out and you're able to make an exchange with them that is fair to what they need. Right. So an artist on the level of a Beyonce is going to have a different exchange than someone who just released their song on Spotify, who's just doing it for the first time. Right. There's different values at different stages in a music artist career. And it really just comes down to like, you know, 
get a license through thematic, talk to them directly, find a way to make it a valuable exchange, but don't just like take it and run with it, right? There's there's different ways to interact with the content. I would say just as a music fan, if there's an artist you like or appreciate, like give them a like on Instagram. Like the engagement factor and social relevance is a huge help to these artists in terms of like, well, are there people out there resonating with what I do? You know, do they like my music? Do they like me as an individual? Um, at my core, I'm such a music fan and I have zero musical talent, but I love music artists. And so when my favorite bands come to town, I am at that show. I am buying their vinyl. I am getting their merch. Like I'm all about it. Like interact with them, give them a follow. Um, cause it's not always just about like, oh yeah, stream it here or buy it there. But as a fan, like appreciate what someone does. And that goes across the board, whether it be like podcast creator, Instagram creator, music artist, but it's just, hey, let's be respectful of each other and like engage with them in a way that makes sense for you as a music fan. Yeah, I love that. That's very true. I will totally start to do that because I, um, as, as often as I think about it, like I, I love when people message me and are like, I love your podcast or, you know, a course or something like that. I, I don't do that for fellow content creators enough because it really helps, especially when you're having a bad day or a right. troll just said something to you that was like awful. Yeah. Yeah. Those anything it negative to hit twice inspire. as hard. Yeah. It's like totally where it's like yeah. those little moments of light where you're like, you know what? Someone appreciated what I did today. You know, I, they liked that post or they were took the time to send me like a, you know, a few words being like, hey, that was really cool. Um, yeah, whoever you're following, I that's a great principle to follow. Yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about uh, how how do you balance protecting the interests of the rights holders or the the artists while at the same time you're ensuring a safe experience for creators who have licenses and who are also really like increasing the value of um, the assets yeah, totally. It's definitely a balance, right? You're dealing with two creatives and they both are creators, but they're just creating different products. So it's about, you know, if we did everything in service of the video creator, like the music artist may suffer and vice versa of like, how do you know, it's always been our principle. How do we make this a one-to-one -one value exchange? So then people aren't being compromised of like, hey, you can use the music, but here's 20 restrictions on how you can and cannot, right? That's not productive for the creative environment or you know for the music artists if they're like hey you could put this out there but then we're not going to monetize it for you like you're you're not helping their revenue stream like this is a music artist there are people out there who aren't using the music legally how do you make sure that they're still getting their UGC revenue and making it sure that it's you know both sides are winning and there there's value on both sides um so I you know thankfully that is all handled 
in the back end with the rights engine so that we're able to validate licenses and stop the friction points on one side, but immediately monetize uh, music artists UGC. So if any non-licensed content is monetized for them. So it's like a lot of that part of it is eliminated. And then we always had the principle of, you know, let the creators create. And so long it's not like against a terms of service violation, so long as it's not inappropriate content, like, it's so interesting to see the types of content that are created when you bring these two parties together in a very exchange part of way and not just being like, hey, use this song in your video, right? Like, okay, then you're, you know, the creative mind is like, well, how do I integrate this? It becomes more of like a project. Um, so often we have music artists who are like, oh yeah, my song does well with sneaker videos. And we're like, cool, let's, you know, we'll see what happens. Like, we'll see what community it resonates with with and then they come away after their their song campaign they're like apparently my songs do really well in makeup videos and we're like this is a whole new audience that maybe they didn't think about of like they didn't realize was engaging with their music um and so that's part of what we we provide to the music artist and understanding what their value was as part of this relationship it's not just about you know put my song in a video and hopefully i get more streams but providing them the data around who's using the music, how are they using the music? Like in what territories are they using the music? Because it unlocks new opportunities of like, oh my gosh, like I'm a hit in car videos. Like let's talk car brand sponsorships. Like how do I get a sync deal for the new Toyota commercial? Like there's different opportunities there. So it's really about, you know, valuing the perspective of both of these types of creatives and understanding what's driving them value and then making sure that's built into the product um, so that they're not like struggling, like, oh, this would be better if, but like constantly iterating and making sure it's really just a fair exchange between the two parties. That is so, so great. I mean, it really um, helps everybody. And at, at the same time, you're taking care of issues as well like that that's <laughs> brilliant Mwah, chef's kiss <laughs> it's fantastic um yeah so let's talk about being women in tech how does it make you feel when people are like surprised that women are are thriving in tech you know what it's it's so silly to like run into that at this point. When you think about it, I'm like, I honestly, if I enter that situation, I always enter it of like, I'm more surprised when people don't have that representation. And I'm hoping that's where this is shifting to. And you've been in this industry far longer than I have, but it's just a matter of how do we flip that coin? Like, how do we make it where it's like, you really don't have any women in positions on your tech team? Like, I don't like, I don't think I want to be working with you. Like, that's not a good vibe of who our cult, you know, who our audience is. Uh, we have this worldwide audience on thematic in terms of users of like people around the world with languages that I cannot speak with interests that are not aligned with mine. Like they might be into like high heels and I'm all about the all birds. Like we've got different vibes. Um, but just being appreciative, like there's so many different perspectives out there and it's, it's, alarming when there's just there's no voice especially when you're you're dealing with a worldwide audience uh it's yeah it's it's a, it's a struggle and i i believe i believe you know i'm all about action of like 
if there's a problem, let's fix it and let's do it and let's hire the these people who have the representation that makes sense for your community, right? Like we have a better product because of it, because we have these different voices at the table. Yes, absolutely. I have had a lot of jobs where I was the only woman on the team. I'm a dev and um, it, it, those jobs never went well. I'll tell you that. Like, wow. <laughs> when men are left to their devices, it's like they forget to be people <laughs> again to women. Wow. Um, but yeah, I, I started out like I hate that, right? When, when people are surprised that I'm in tech and that I own a company and that I'm an author and like a MVP, and, you know, all of this. Now I'm like thrilled by it. Right. It's I'm just such like, I've impressed this person. Yeah. Like it's, you know, I grew yeah. up with you know very so, ind independent I, values of like, if you want something, do it. And it, like, if someone's in your way, like prove them wrong. Like I'm not out here to like be subject to someone else's, well, this shouldn't, shouldn't be. I'm like, I'm going to do it. Like I'm such that person of like, I think we talked about this earlier of like, well, watch me. Like I'm, you say, I can't do that. That's going to make me want it three times more. So, um, you know, be you and do what you have to do to make yes. sure that you have a happy and successful career. And like, kudos to you. I mean, you've got so much talent and like you've built this empire for yourself. And I'm like, if anybody brings you down, they've got oh, other problems. Oh, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that today. I've, uh, no matter what I do, like I'm an author, I'm a content creator, I'm a tech conference speaker. I, I wear my tiara while I'm speaking at tech conferences. Like people still question my credibility and like whether I should have awards or not and stuff like that. It, yeah. But just like you, whenever I hear that noise, I'm like, watch me. I'm going to blow past you. You're going to be even, you know, more upset about it. You know, irrational anger right? about someone else. Like, nope, you're not like having that, it. Not like, that's a nope. you problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This that needs to be a quote for the <laughs> to promote this episode. I'll tell my podcast manager or, you know, she's probably listening to this. Hey, Mariner. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I could talk to you all day about this, um, but sadly, we are coming to the end of our time together. Before I let you go, um, tell us where people can connect with you and promote yourself. Love it. Yeah. I'm, I mean, probably the best place to find me is on LinkedIn, Audrey Marshall, the one and only, um, you know, I do post on pretty much any social platform out there. Like I have a YouTube channel, I have a Twitter, I have an Instagram, you name it. I'm around. Uh, but I'd say LinkedIn is great if we want to talk business and do some cool professional things. But if you're into the hiking video, you can catch me on YouTube, same name. Uh, and then obviously 
on thematic. Like I have a profile there. All my socials are linked. Um, just make it easy. Awesome. I will have links to all of your stuff in the description. Audrey, this was an absolute joy. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking with you today. I appreciate you so much for having me on. (laughs) Thank you. If you want to support us, please like, subscribe, and share this episode with your fellow gems. Let me know in the comments what other topics you would like me to cover and follow TRs and Tech on social media, including Twitch now, and use the hashtag MakeYourselfShine. Thanks for watching or listening and have a great day.